0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. All right, by now you know kind of what's been out there. Reports, rumors yesterday involving a possible oblique injury for Georgia quarterback JT Daniels. Uh, I guess it's being called an upper body injury. In fact, let me just do this. Before I kind of get into what all is being said and before the show is done, we will get like right into the muck and the mire of the rumor mill on all of this. We are not too proud to do that around here. Uh, Before we do all of that, let me just kind of read you from the story. Mike Griffith wrote at dognation.com yesterday. So these are the facts, and then we'll get into everything after that. Uh, Mike says that Georgia quarterback JT Daniels might be dealing with an upper body injury, though he has practiced this week and didn't show any overt signs of being injured, per a source attending the team practice. Mike lets it be known that 24-7 Sports reported that Daniels is questionable for the next game, but a source close to the situation said that if there is an issue, quote, it's not very serious. So that's what's out there. I have no idea what to do with that. I really don't. And I, I told our uh, uh, video audience that we do a little thing called First and 15 before the show begins each and every day for the folks who are watching on the DogNation.com homepage or the DogNation app. And here is the general rule I follow. And this is not as like reporter journalist because that's not really what I am. This is as someone who has just been reading and consuming college football news for most of my life. Here is the, the general rule that I follow. If you think a player is healthy, there's a chance that he might actually be hurt. But if you have reason to believe a player might be hurt, then he probably is. In other words, over the course of time, there are players who were playing that we later find out were injured. But when we think a player is hurt, there aren't that many examples I can think of. Well, no, come to find out he was actually totally healthy the whole time. We just didn't know it. That's just not really the way all of this goes. So it's interesting to hear Mike's sources there downplaying the significance of this. And it may not be one of those things that keeps Daniels off the field on Saturday, but if there's any chatter whatsoever that he is dealing with what's been described as an upper body injury, then it's probably at least true to some regard. That's the assumption that I'm uh, making. I don't have any reason, in other words, to dispute the other reporting that's out there on that. So we're left to figure out what all of this means, and that's what we're going to try to do. And if you tune out or you zone out, or if you, you know, just, you know, get busy doing something else for a moment, let me give you the, the, the last page first here. I guess in a roundabout way, I'm a little bit concerned about this, and it's not because I'm not potentially interested in seeing what a guy like Carson Beck could do as the starter on Saturday, more on him in a moment. I'm pretty curious about that. It's not that I think that Georgia could lose to UAB no matter what, because odds are I don't think that could probably happen, but I do have my, my, my concerns about what this means for the Georgia offense if either Daniels isn't playing or if he's trying to play but not fully healthy on all of that. I I just have some concerns about that, which I'll get to in a moment. But first, let me give you some other words on this. As Mike wrote in the story, you know, Daniels, even with this supposed upper body injury that some are calling an oblique, um, even with all of this, he was apparently practicing yesterday. And the Georgia players who were part of that practice had complimentary things to say about him, including Georgia offensive lineman, right tackle Warren McClendon. This isn't a long clip, but uh, McClendon, for the most part, kind of downplays the significance of the injury. Let me let you hear from Warren here.
1: How is JT looking at practice? There have been some many old rumors he maybe got dinged up a little bit. How did he look at practice this afternoon? He's been looking good. You know, he hasn't missed a beat. He's been practicing, taking a run. And he, looks, he looks good.
0: So McClendon says he looks good. He hasn't missed a beat. And obviously, I have no reason to disbelieve what McClendon says there. But at the same time... I'm also not going to come on this show and say, folks, that settles it. Warren McClendon says he's fine. Warren McClendon says that he hasn't missed a beat during practice. That's all you need to know. I'm not going to do that because here's the one thing that we do know, and I guess Georgia's had every right to do this because there's competitive things to think about and things like that, that if JT Daniels was banged up, Georgia would be trying to keep it a secret. And when it comes to like future opponents, things like that, Most Georgia fans wouldn't want the upcoming opponent, including UAB on Saturday, to have that information. But concurrent to that, simultaneous to that, there are Georgia fans who also want to know themselves. It's like, they don't necessarily want Bill Clark, the diabolical defensive mind who's head coach for UAB, to be aware of JT Daniels' status, but they themselves would not mind knowing what's going on. So this is why, you know, for all of us who are fellow travelers in stories like this, just trying to figure out what's going on, just know this, that Georgia is incentivized to try to keep it a secret even if it was true. And a player like Warren McClendon shrugging it off and saying it's no big deal, while I have a great respect for McClendon, just knowing the motivation that exists for a program like Georgia, McClendon's words alone are not necessarily enough for me to say, well, I guess that settles it. JT Daniels is probably fine. He may be but he might not be. Or at least in terms of, you know, being, you know, f- fully ready for a game uh like Saturday. Lad McConkey, the George Wide receiver who played a lot on Saturday, also had a chance to speak with reporters yesterday, and much the same way that McClendon kind of downplayed uh, the the potential injury to JT Daniels, McConkey says, "Listen, whether it's uh, whether it's JT, whether it's Carson Beck, it sounds like the George Wide receivers feel fine with whoever it might be." This is Ladd McConkey. Carson
1: and JT both prepare. Well, they're both great quarterbacks, so they're out there competing their tails off every day, like it's a regular week. So,
0: is there some uncertainty uh, with you and the receivers about you know who's going to be throwing you the ball with the with the starting offense on Saturday?
1: Um, I don't think so. I mean, J T. and Carson both take reps every every week, and every day. So, I mean, we're confident, and both of them they uh, both give us both have good balls, good arm strength. So, I mean, we're we're confident in either way that goes.
0: So it's interesting to hear McConkie say, hey, we're confident whether it's Beck or whether it's Daniels playing on Saturday. But here's where my concern comes in. That if Daniels is dealing with this and whether it's one of two things, the kind of injury that doesn't prevent him from playing but does limit him somewhat, or if it's the kind of injury that you give him rest now in the hopes of getting him back later on, I think either one of those two things has the potential byproduct that is, at least in my mind, somewhat unpleasant. This is a Georgia offense that's still trying to figure things out. And as much as Daniels is an experienced college football player, experienced college quarterback because he was a part of the 2018 signing class, I mean, guys like, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields from that 2018 class, they're already in the NFL now. I mean, 2018 as a signing year, a recruiting cycle, starts to feel like kind of a long time ago now. I mean, Daniels has been around the block here a few times. But unfortunately for Daniels, a lot of that time has been not playing football he was a starter for USC in 2018. He was injured for most of 2019. Coming over to Georgia, he was injured for most of last year as well. I mean, on Saturday, if he were to play, it would just be his sixth start in a Georgia uniform. Now, what that means is is this is still a guy who's trying to work his way back from the previous injury that he uh, had to suffer through, and he's trying to work his way into a level of comfort with the players that he's playing around him. In other words, for a Georgia offense on the heels of the game against Clemson, we would all agree needs to get better. I would say that the improvement of that offense is put on hold while Daniels is not playing. And that's no disrespect to Carson Beck, who I think could show out. But, I mean, let's be real here. This is not likely to be a Jake Fromm overtaking Jacob Eason situation that like we had in 2017 because in the case of Eason back then, his credentials, I would suggest, weren't as well established as what uh, uh, JT Daniels, you know, have have been. I mean, Eason, just to be frank, did not play that great as a freshman in 2016. I would say that the older Daniels played better in his four games last year than Eason did in 2016. So it was just easier for Afrom to overtake Eason in, uh, in, in in 2017 when that happened at the Appalachian State game. That's not likely to happen here, that the best games for Georgia offensively this season are likely to come with JT Daniels as the starting quarterback. But the development and the preparation to... To lead to those is put on hold a little bit, or at least it's slowed down some if Daniels is either banged up but still trying to play or injured and not able to play. Remember yesterday's show when we said that the reasonable goal in mind for when Georgia's offense could be better October the 9th on the road at Auburn. Mike Griffith came on the show yesterday and said, oh, be careful, B.A. You gotta, you can't look past October 2nd against a Arkansas team that's very experienced and I believe has a chance to beat Texas on Saturday. But one way or another, whether you think in October 2nd or October 9th, you're hoping the Georgia offense is better come October than it was this past Saturday against a very good Clemson defense. But how much improvement you can see between now and then it just seems like it's slowed down some if Daniels isn't playing. Now, to be fair, and effort at uh, kind of giving you the other side of this coin for a moment, Kirby Smart was asked, I don't know, at some point in this summer, I'm not even really sure when it was, he was asked about, hey, how is um, JT Daniels developing with these wide receivers? How is he developing chemistry with those guys, knowing that they spent a lot of time during the offseason, spring and summer, also dealing with injuries? Is the kind of chemistry that I'm talking about now – that Georgia needs to be better offensively by the time you get to the second month of the season. That chemistry was also an issue back then when we assumed that Daniels was fully healthy, but believed that some Georgia receivers were not. And at the time, Smart kind of downplayed the idea that you can use injuries as an excuse for all of that. So at least to give you the other side of the coin here for a moment to attempt to be fair and balanced, this is Kirby Smart talking about quarterbacks, receivers, getting on the same page offensively when injuries could potentially be a factor. This is Kirby.
1: JT's had, for the most part, he's had pretty good rhythm with the guys. I mean, you can make excuses all the time, but people are injured in football. So you go play with the guys that are out there. They they, they they got to throw all summer, you know, so all the guys were out there all summer. And we've had a few guys in and out during camp, but I don't know any team in college football that doesn't in terms of some guys in, some guys out based on pulls, ankles, uh, being banged up.
0: So that's Smart saying you can't use injuries as an excuse. you still got to try to find a way to get that chemistry together, and I'm assuming that's a similar statement that Smart might make in light of whatever's going on with JT Daniels right now. Look, here's kind of my sort of final thought on all of this, and I, I guess this is, this is kind of where I'll uh, you know leave it here just for a moment, that it remains to be seen if Daniels is going to start on Saturday. We'll have more on kind of the rumor mill on this coming up in just a moment. But the fact that any of this conversation bubbles to the surface means that something must be going on. And I would say that this much chatter is not normal. Some people are going to have a, ha- lead you to believe, oh, this is no different than anything else that ever goes on. This is this is this is just like the same way it is each and every week. I have my skepticism about that actually being true. This does feel like something a little bit different. And if it's different enough that Daniels is either less than hundred percent on Saturday or not playing at all, then the development of the Georgia offense is also a little more questionable there at that point in time, too. I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. I don't think this alone is enough to totally derail a season, but I'm also not going to completely shrug it off either. There is a reason that Georgia fans are as plugged into the story and watching it as close as they are. The opinions and the rumors far outweigh all the facts right now, but uh, over the course of the next couple of days, hopefully we can get some clarification on that. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Weather and Tharp. glad to have you with us today, no matter how you get to us, live on video 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, at dognation.com. In fact, we start at 9.45 in the morning on dognation.com for our first and 15, and we do the same thing on the Dog Nation app there as well. So for those of you watching us on that platform, we really appreciate you doing that podcast all over the place. Radio noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref. Just really appreciate all of you making this a, a fun show to do every day, making a big push to be a part of the show each and every day. We really appreciate all that, and we thank our great partners at Meriwether & Tharp for making it all possible today. You know, Merryweather & Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce, and divorce is an unpleasant topic. I won't pretend that's not the case, and if you have lived through that, you know it's probably, in some degree, unpleasant for you there as well but here's the good news stories can have happy endings and the unpleasant part of your story involving your divorce or the anticipated unpleasantness that you may be thinking about as you know that's potentially the next step for you understand this that on the other side of all that can be a much more fulfilling much more happy much more enjoyable life that's one of the reasons why having a strong advocate on your side as you go through that's so important and i'm going to invite you to kind of kick the tires on this test drive it for yourself here by going the website, theatlantadivorceteam.com. Examine all the free resources that are available to you, whether it's podcasts or blog posts or just informational articles that that kind of give you a way to equip yourself to ask good questions when you have that free initial consultation with Meriwether and Tharp. That's what they'll do for you. They'll stand by you. They'll walk with you. They'll set you up to, to really enjoy the next season of your life, which I think is a, a very important thing. Restoring finances, relationship with children, all the things that kind of are byproducts of this. Meriwether and Tharp can do all that for you. So please find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com the Atlanta divorce Team.com. Your source for Georgia divorce is Meriwether and Tharp. They're also just good fun people too. Hanging out with them for a dog nation invasion was a great time. Bob Tharp, one of the partners there playing cornhole with my uh, six-year-old daughter on Saturday. It was a fun thing uh, to see. Just good people who do good work and they take care of people during what can be one of the uh, a challenging time. But but certainly it's great to have uh, good folks like Meriwether and Tharp uh, doing all of that for you. So, it's Dog Nation Daily here today. Coming up in a little bit, we're going to get Terrence Edwards. Terrence's thoughts on how a pass catcher views an unknown situation when it comes to quarterbacks. We'll do Terrence Edwards and all that coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse today, and it's presented by our friends at Pro. And let me give you, I guess, the most significant rumor that's out there uh, in in terms of you know people with a name that certain people know – kind of saying certain things about all of this. I thought it was interesting to see Rick Ballou, who's a radio host in Jacksonville, tweeting out in the last 24 hours that Denny Thompson, who a lot of you know Denny, that's a guy that's been quoted at dognation.com many times. That's the quarterback coach and trainer for Carson Beck. He also works as a radio host, I think part-time, for 1010XL, the big sports radio station down in Jacksonville. So Rick Ballew tweets out that Denny Thompson tells me that um, uh, and 1010XL to look for Carson Beck to start for Georgia this weekend. This is the most substantial name being attached to a Beck rumor. Now, let me give you a little bit. Do you mind putting that back on the screen just for one second? Let me give you a little bit of Twitter 101 here. So this is one of those tweets that I think would have gotten more traction. Odds are you may not have seen this. You know, when you tweet someone's handle at the beginning of your tweet, that shows up as a reply to that person and not something that shows up in the public timeline. So this tweet here did not really get a lot of retweets, things like that, because only the people that follow both Rick Ballou and Denny Thompson actually saw it. So this is one of those things that if the tweets were in a slightly different way. It probably gets a little bit more attention because Denny Thompson's one of the people that knows Carson Beck probably as well as anybody. As I said before, he's been quoted. Uh, in dognation.com stories in the past as a trainer to Beck. Uh, So it's kind of interesting, the story that a tweet like this probably doesn't go as viral as it otherwise would have um, had it been arranged in a slightly different way. But interesting to see someone that we know knows Beck well saying that Beck's going to start for Georgia there this weekend. So I told you before, you know, sometimes we'll get into the rumor stuff, and that is, I think, the most substantial rumor that's out there, at least in terms of a person with some credentials saying, yes, I expect Carson Beck. To start on Saturday. As far as what you would get from Beck if he is the starter here. Let's go back to July for a moment. Kirby Smart speaking in SEC media days. And this is something I've told our, you know, I think our video audience already this morning that, you know, you can go back to a year ago. There was some time when you weren't always hearing ton about Carson Beck. And sometimes no news is good news, and sometimes no news is just no news. It's not necessarily a, a a bad thing about, you know, Beck, but it was just pretty quiet on the Carson Beck front. I would have to say that I really didn't know what Georgia had in Beck. You know, we heard about Duan Mathis last year leading up to his first start against uh Arkansas. We heard about um, you know, Jamie Newman, obviously, who eventually opted out. Eventually Stetson Bennett kind of emerged out of nowhere. It's it's almost like we heard about every potential quarterback but Beck a year ago. And I was I have to admit, I spent part of last year wondering what does Georgia really have in Beck? It it seems like simultaneous to what's happening here with you know the potential issue where Georgia needs a new quarterback on Saturday there's also some growing belief and confidence in what Beck can bring to the table so much so that when Smart was asked about Carson Beck during SEC media days in Hoover Alabama in July Smart didn't really hold back on expressing his belief that Carson has a chance to be a good quarterback in this Georgia system so if you're curious what you might see if it is indeed Beck on Saturday let's go back to July and hear Kirby Smart talking about Carson Beck
1: I'm excited about Carson Beck's future. He's a very bright young man. He's uh, done the right things off the field in terms of classroom and doing what he's supposed to do. He's improved in that area. He's talented. He's really got good composure. You know, he's a guy that can stand in the pocket with confidence and make throws. He's a really good baseball player in high school that I don't think people give him enough credit athletically. Very intelligent, great family, and I'm looking forward to seeing him grow.
0: So obviously, if you listen to that clip closely from Smart, you hear every box checked off. A guy who's. Smart says doesn't get enough credit athletically, but on the other side of that, he's also studying film room things like that. Carson has always been a pretty popular player with Georgia fans, and the best I can tell, a lot of this is generated from the fact that you know I don't pretend to be a scout, I don't pretend to be you know you know somebody who's breaking down film for a living, I don't pretend to do that. But Beck seems to really look good on video, right? These little short, bite-sized videos that get shared on Instagram or Twitter or some of those social media platforms. Beck, in small doses, really looks like he's got some some arm talent credentials. He throws he throws the ball really well, and so I think that's always kind of made him pretty popular among Georgia fans because these short bite-sized videos are the the language that fans use back and forth with each other they share these things back and forth and beck has a way of portraying himself pretty well in these kinds of moments and it's kind of like watching a movie trailer. It obviously leads you to say, well, what would more of that actually look like? If if he looks good in this short 60-second snippet, how about 60 minutes worth of that? What would that look like? And on Saturday, Georgia fans may have a chance to find out. So bottom line on that is, someone who knows Beck pretty well apparently tells somebody else that Beck's going to start on Saturday. It's a little bit of the telephone game, admittedly, uh but that is what's out there and we will uh give you that and find out is it back is it daniels is it a combination of the two is all of this just one big smoke screen that doesn't add up to anything uh, on saturday we'll all be uh, very very curious with the home opener there for the dogs it's around the doghouse. it is uh presented today by our friends at surf pro by the way speaking of george's home opener on saturday it's your home that matters to you and one of the most challenging things you can go through is is a situation with your home where you see damage. Remember, this is not just a financial investment, although it is one. It's also an emotional investment there as well. Your home is what makes you feel safe and secure. But every now and then, homes run into damage, and oftentimes that's caused by fire or water intrusion or something like that. And when you see that in your own home, the question becomes, what do you do about that and how do you feel good about your home again? Well, the way that I would suggest you do that is to trust my friends at ServPro. Let their restoration specialists restore your home like it literally never happened. That fire damage, that water damage that your home may have experienced, that's what the restoration specialists at ServPro do for a living. They fix all that kind of stuff. They clean it all up. They get it back to new like it never happened that's what you can trust ServPro to do for you all their franchises are independently owned and operated that means when you do business with ServPro you're doing business with people that know what family oriented local service attentive service is all about ServPro can be trusted for all of that so check them out online at servpro.com for more details now for those of you listening radio and podcast let me spell this out for you Serve Pro is ServPro is S E R V P R O at servepro.com. You can find out more about that today. All right, so there is a lot going on around Georgia football. Big win against Clemson on Saturday. Look ahead against UAB. What does a former wide receiver think about a situation with a little bit of an unknown at quarterback? How big of a deal is all of this? No better resource for this than our guy Terrence Edwards. So let's talk to him today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, and it's good to have all of you with us too. <laughs> From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a dognation.com insider. Terrence is a sharp guy and he knows this program very well. He knows the game of football very well, so his opinions are always valuable for us. And so Terrence, if you don't mind, let me start a big picture on this and we'll kind of work our ways down to something a little bit more specific on this. When you first hear about the possibility that J.T. Daniels has the upper body injury, you think some of calling it an oblique. You know, how big of a deal is that in your mind? Or just what's your reaction to it all the way around?
1: This, it's, I think, is a, a small deal. I don't think it's something that's going to keep him out. Um, it could be the reason why we didn't throw the ball as much downfield in a game because he probably just couldn't do it. Uh, so that could have been a factor as well. But I'm I'm to the mindset. If you're out there, you're playing, you're helping up the play, you got You got to play up to the standards that you set for yourself. So, Um, I'm looking forward to him getting out there playing on Saturday and performing well.
0: Yeah, because if it is the oblique thing, right? I mean, I hear people say this all the time, whether it's a quarterback or a baseball pitcher, you know, a lot of the body torque that you use to deliver a ball, pitch, you know, quarterback, throw, pass, whatever else. I mean, a lot of that comes from that. So, I mean, one way or another, if he was dealing with this on Saturday, there's reason to believe that he might have been. If he was dealing with this on Saturday, you know the idea that you're just going to wind up and and sling it down the field, it's certainly not it's certainly not easy to do that if you're dealing with that kind of injury, right?
1: Yes, exactly. I don't think uh, I was wondering why we didn't try to throw the ball down the field with the I think the talented group of receivers that we have. We didn't. Uh, it just didn't look right for whatever reason. I was just wondering why. And maybe this is the reason why that we didn't. Uh, We threw to the tight end a lot, which is a a good sign in my opinion, especially once we get uh, Donnell back and you have Brock there as well. So uh, Maybe it it was a uh, good thing that we now can feature the tight ends and we have tight ends that we can rely on, but we're going to have to get the the downfield passing game to open up the running game and the short passing game. So we're going to have to be able to make explosive plays in the passing game down the field.
0: So I want to talk to you about that point in a moment specifically because I think you're going to have some interesting insight on that. But before that, you know, we heard from Ladd McConkey a moment ago, and lad's a guy I know that you know really well. And Ladd says, listen, we catch balls from, you know, Carson Beck and JT Daniels all the time. We're confident in either guy. This may be a you know somewhat you know dumb question, but, you know, how does a ball come in differently depending on which quarterback is throwing it. Now, obviously there are quarterbacks that have stronger arms. And so obviously the ball is going to just, you know, get there a little quicker. But if we're assuming both quarterbacks have a strong arm, and I think there's reason to believe that Beck's arm is, you know, very strong too, like we know JT's is. If we're talking about arm strength being relatively indistinguishable, what is different about the way that quarterbacks deliver the football? Would a Georgia wide receiver notice the difference between Daniels and Beck?
1: I don't think so. If their arm strength is equally, uh, Similar, it's just the velocity of the ball. Uh, You could say that one guy has better touch, uh, could throw a catchable ball. Uh, That means when you are a shorter distance, you don't try to throw him through a wall. Uh, Some guys may put a little bit more arc on the ball, on deep balls. Some people more put it on a straight line. So there's just different velocity and different throws that the quarterback makes. and when I played, you know, with David Green and DJ Shockley, two totally different quarterbacks. Yeah. Where DJ had a very live arm, and DJ, uh, as a younger kid, would just try to throw you through a wall just to, not really show you, but how strong his arm. But he just had a strong arm, and he would try to, you know, drive it in. And with David, arm um, was wasn't as strong as DJ's, and and then he was a lefty, so we we basically had to catch. Balls from two totally yeah. different quarterbacks. I just think with these guys, they just got to understand how the quarterback likes to throw the ball. That one more, throw a more catchable ball than the other.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that, you know, Green, your quarterback for a lot of your college career was left handed. DJ Shockley was right handed. Um, that's got to be a little bit different, right? A little bit of different spin coming off the football there, right?
1: Oh, most definitely. It's definitely different, different spin from a right hander. And they left hander, so uh, you have to get used to really have to get used to catching from David, cause the, the ball spins the opposite direction. Um, and some people who listen now may think that's not a big deal, but really go and try to catch the ball from a left left-hand, handed quarterback, uh, it is a little bit more difficult catching from a right handed.
0: By the way, on the screen a moment ago for those watching on video, nice photo of Terrence with both of his quarterbacks there side by side. David Green, good friend of our show, DJ Shockley, who's just all over the place in the media world these days. Including on the sidelines for George broadcast with uh, Terrence Edwards right there in the middle. That's a good looking. I don't know, Terrence, you may not be able to see this. But that's a good looking shot of you and your old quarterbacks right there. Uh, fun memories from those days, right? Oh,
1: uh, most definitely. I would put it in my T.O. voice. Those are my
0: quarterbacks. <laughs> with a tear streaking down your cheek as you say, it, that's my quarterback. I like that. Uh, two tears,
1: two tears, one on each side for both my guys.
0: There you go, Terrence. I like that a lot. So you mentioned the uh, Clemson game, and listen. You know, obviously every Georgia fan's thrilled about the win. It's a huge win. Clemson defensively, is such a for as good as the Georgia defensive performance was, the Clemson defense is obviously stout there as well, and yet there's also those questions about, you know, what Georgia does to improve going forward now that you take probably a step down in competition in terms of the defense that you'll be facing, but also receivers getting healthier, you know, some guys getting more experienced. Like, what do you want to see from the Georgia offense now post-Clemson as you move to, like, UAB this week and all the other stuff that kind of goes along the next few weeks? What do you want to see from the Georgia offense moving forward?
1: I just want to see some explosive plays. I want to see some uh, down and field throws where we connect. I want to see some explosive runs from the back. Uh, I just want to see an offense that uh, hopefully we could go a little bit more tempo, get off the defense in a situation where they can't sub and they can't change and communicate as well if we're going with a little tempo. I just wanna see some execution and pace uh from our offense this week. Uh I just don't want the team. The team leaders now because the emotional high of Clemson has gone now. So we, we got UAB. So I don't wanna go into this game thinking, you know, we're we're ranked number two and we have uh we, we have been there. We haven't done anything. So I know Coach Kirby and the crew would be preaching that, but on Saturday it's the guy's. It's the it's the leaders on team job to get the, get the guys ready to play and can't go into a game like um, Oklahoma did with Tulane where you just take it for granted. We got to go out and play and, and improve.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you think about the big environment for you know Georgia Clemson and Charlotte, the huge TV audience, eight million people watching the thing on TV, it, it sounds like you are a little bit concerned for the potential of an emotional letdown. How real do you think a concern like that should be?
1: I mean, you, you got to think these are still uh, young adults, and that's just normal. I don't care what anyone say. That's normal to come off an emotional high um, like they just did, the build-up uh, for Clemson now. You're, you're, you you—you got UAB coming to your house this week. So the leaders on the team have to keep the guys focused. The coaches, the strength, the medals, everyone has to keep these guys focused. And um, let's just use the phrase that Nick Saban, we can't, read our press clippings, and it's it's rat for Those guys got to really focus on, okay, let's get better at our craft each and every week. Clemson game is over. Let's put that behind us. It's time for UAB. Uh, They need to really so focus on UAB and and prepare like they prepared for Clemson. They need to prepare each week like it it is Clemson or, or Alabama to achieve the goals that they want to achieve and not have a letdown.
0: I want to ask you more about that home opener on Saturday in a moment. Let me squeeze in one more thing before I get there on this kind of same topic here for a moment. I think some Georgia fans are left a little bit of a, of a confusing feeling about the injury status of guys like Keiris Jackson and maybe Dominic Blaylock right now. Specifically, I would have told you that before the season began, that I thought that Jackson was close to being hundred percent healthy and that Blaylock might be a little farther away. And now it seems like on the basis of some of the stuff that smart has said that maybe actually Blaylock is closer to playing than Jackson is. And there just seems to be a little bit of confusion, and this is obviously just you know mostly built on the fact that Georgia fans are just very curious to know when you know key playmakers are coming back. But do you get much of a sense right now for the health of guys like Blaylock and Jackson, and what that might you know mean for Georgia and kind of maybe what they're going through? Because I think a lot of Georgia fans are left to wonder about the status, just given the fact that you know obviously Georgia's a little short-handed there in that pass-catching core at the moment. Yes, uh, I
1: was a little shocked as well. To hear that, uh, Don was a little bit closer to be 100% than Kier. Um, but to achieve the goals that we really achieved, you know, we, we missed uh, Kier's leadership and toughness out there on the field against Clemson. So I just think he's really a key component to the receiving core. He's the veteran, he's the leader. So I just think having his presence out on the field is going to help whenever that is. And Don just super talented, his talent is just going to be able to. Uh, just outshine some of the others so we need both of those guys to be a dominant pass game we're we're real thin at the wide receiver position I read that coach smart said Jermaine you know he only has practice a handful of times and still not in good shape so we are down uh limited at that position but it's a long season and uh you know if we could go and beat Clemson with the guys that we have beat up like that, then that's very encouraging.
0: I don't want to keep you too long, Terrence, but I want to be respectful of your time. But you mentioned Jermaine, and I think the thing to remember for people on that is we're talking about a guy that's still pretty inexperienced as a football player, right? I mean, learned a lot last year during his freshman season, You know, only now just getting started with his sophomore season. And while there's the occasional freshman phenom at the receiver spot who steps in and seems to light the world on fire, for the most part, receiver remains a position where experience really matters. And I think it's important for people to keep track of the fact that Jermaine Burton is still learning how to play this spot at the college level. And his overwhelming talent and the athleticism and all that kind of stuff still matters here. But this is a football player that I believe still has his best football in in, in front of him. And you obviously know Jermaine better than than, than I do. But, but what do you think about all of that? You know, Jermaine after Saturday and kind of where he goes – as a part of this Georgia offense moving forward?
1: Uh, I can tell you this about about Jermaine. Uh, he's a competitor. And one thing that I really love from this past weekend, I got a text from Jermaine at one thirty three in the morning on Sunday. I'm asleep, so I get it in the morning. And this is text. I'm going to read it to you. He said, proud of the win tonight, but I got to be better at blocking. He used a, another word, at blocking, that blocking on the corners or on those uh, swing passes. He said, it's, he's, I'm pissed off, man, for real. I'm much more than just a receiver. I need to block better. So that's what he sent me at 1.30 in the morning about his blocking. It wasn't about catching footballs. It wasn't about uh, he, he didn't get the, the many passes that he, he would like. He was disappointed in himself about the two missed blocks he had on James Cook's sweep pass. I know everybody always talked fun about, Kirby always talk about we need receivers to block, to block, to block. <laughs> but as a receiver, you gotta block. Those could have been two big plays, and he was really upset about those two missed blocks, and didn't even mention anything about catching any passes or only catching two passes in that game. So that's the type of maturity that he 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 brings to the table. And the receiving part is he's talented enough that he's is going to happen once he really gets into game shape and his, his offense really starts to click. But he's really upset about those two missed blocks that he had. In that game.
0: Terrence, that's an incredible story, and I appreciate you telling that. And, you know, knowing, getting to know Burton a little bit just through you and obviously watching him play at Georgia, I'm not surprised. That's the competitive fire that he's showing. But that late at night to be texting about his desire to be a better blocker and not about, you know, touching the football, things like that, I think that's an incredible testament to that young man. And I tell you, I appreciate that kind of insight from you. And obviously the kind of work that you've done with guys like Burton over the years you're doing for pass catchers right now as well and people get a chance to be a part of that if they want to I really am glad to have guys in our state you know I talked to coach today you know, know, Georgia's one of the deepest states in the country, arguably the deepest state in the country when it comes to great football talent and its individual coaches. In many cases, we're helping players kind of get to that point where they are on the radar for these college programs. So Terrence, remind folks about, you know, what it is that you're doing and and how they can get in touch with you. And uh, as I said, just thank you for telling a great story about Jermaine Burton that I think really tells you about the competitive fire that burns in him to be the best football player you can possibly be.
1: Uh, you can find me on all social media at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy.
0: Terrence, great stuff. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Good stuff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Boy, don't you love that? I mean, don't you just love that? Terrence Edwards, late at night, gets that text from his – uh, you know, close associate, uh, Jermaine Burton. Uh, Terrence's been a mentor to Burton. Burton initially announced his college commitment on Terrence Edwards' birthday. So that's tight. That's a close relationship right there. And he says, listen, I got to be better blocker. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've got to do a better job than that. I'll, I'll place a bet on that kind of football player any day of the week. Uh, to go out and have big games, do big things. A guy who's, you know... You know, very late at night, very early in the morning, thinking about the block that he could have performed better. That's the kind of guy that's going to do big things in a place like Georgia, I personally believe, and that is uh, really good stuff. I mentioned high school football a moment ago there as well. Before we do our best bets for the weekend, let me tell you, we got a great football game coming up on Friday, Peachtree TV, CBS46.com. This is one of those that we're going to get nationwide streams on this because we're going to do Collins Hill and Rome. We're going to be up there at Barron Stadium in Rome for this game. One of the great, great atmospheres for high school football. Beautiful facility all the way around there at Rome High School. A program that you know that in the past, Adam Anderson's come out of there. You know, they've had probably 50-plus, you know, college prospects just in the last few years alone. They are loaded again, guys, in the 2023-2024 class. have already gotten Georgia offers. Uh, all kinds of SEC players on both sides of the ball. They're going to take on Collins Hill. You saw Collins Hill year go in the state championship game. Uh, you know, Travis Hunter, elite playmaker going to, to Florida State. Quarterback Sam Horn, who's throwing the football to him. He's on his way to Missouri. This is an incredible array of talent on both these teams. We'll do it for you 8 p.m. tomorrow. Peachtree TV streaming at CBS46.com in partnership with our friends at Score Atlanta. I'm on the call. Rusty Manziel's got the uh, color analyst duties. Jeff Centella, part of the broadcast. Kaylee Manziel going to be with us. going to be an incredible, incredible night for high school football tomorrow. PeachtreeTV, CBS46.com, Collins Hill in Rome is as good as it gets early in this football season. Boy, that is going to be a lot of fun, man. So with that said, let's transition to college football on the weekend and let's do our BetUS Best Bets. And obviously we'll break down these games a lot more with Go With the Flow presented by RS Andrews on Friday. But let me kind of dive into some of these right now, what to know, what to look for, uh good stuff all the way around when it comes to that in fact let's show a few few of these screens these uh games up on the screen here you see south carolina east carolina right up there at the top we're operating this week these are the spreads as we use to pick for um for uh, go with the flow with rs andrews but you should know that east carolina is not really a two-point favorite anymore against south carolina let me take you through this story really quickly so this game actually opens i think it opened first in nevada with uh, South Carolina, it's about a two-point favorite. It was bet hard the other way with folks putting action on the Pirates to the point where it swung from about Carol- South Carolina minus two to South Carolina plus four. At one point in time, this was a six-point swing. Now it's actually moved back in the direction where it initially started. So you've had wild swings. You've had what they call you know two-way action on this game with bets being coming in on both sides. The best that I can gather, the smart steam, is on South Carolina here. You know, it, it seems like the early big bets moved it in the direction of East Carolina, but those may have been square plays. Anytime there's a big bet going against the steam, you can typically assume that's coming from what you might think of as an edge player. I think South Carolina's the safe side here, especially at that number, although that's probably not the number you're going to get if you're to bet U.S. right now. Tennessee hosts Pitt on Saturday. Tennessee have one of a handful of SEC teams who find themselves underdogs in non-conference play. I think that's worth paying attention to. Uh, this is a Tennessee team that desperately needs this win. If they have any hopes of avoiding a losing season, handling Pitt would be a big step towards that. However, I don't think they're up to the task against the Panthers. This is a Pitt team that finished last season close, uh, 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 covering in three of their final four games. They won easily against UMass this past Saturday, 52-7. to And, you know, it's a team that just, you know, going to run the football play defense as those, uh, you know, uh, pit teams typically do. I like the Panthers there against Tennessee. Texas A&M is at Colorado. They are giving 17 points on the road, but Jimbo Fisher in his time there at College Station is also 6-0 against the spread as a road favorite. That suggests to me, even though Colorado probably better than you realize a year ago in the pandemic-shortened season, this one could be all A&M on Saturday. I look for a statement win from Jimbo to set the stage for SEC West play coming up. Texas-Arkansas is an incredibly fun game. I'll admit I don't like Texas very much. Emotionally, I'm on the side of Sam Pittman here. But also, this is an Arkansas team even predating Sam Pittman. They've covered in five of their last seven home games. Reynolds' Razorback Stadium, I expect, will be rocking here. Texas did look good in a win last week against Louisiana. But we also kind of saw that one coming. Obviously, Steve Sarkeesian knew the importance of getting a week one win. I just think Arkansas brings back a lot of experience. One of the league's best wide receivers. Uh, yes, there's some questions about K.J. Jefferson at quarterback right now and the way in which uh, Sarkeesian and the uh, Texas offense is using Robinson, the running back certainly pretty impressive. Call me you know, an SEC homer here because Texas isn't SEC as of yet, and certainly I like Sam Pittman, but I'm going to go on the side of the uh, Hogs here plus the seven. Quickly get through some of these other games. I think Mississippi State is terrible. I think NC State may at least be average. That should be enough to allow the Wolfpack to cover the three-point spread. Another SEC team – um, as an underdog this week against non-conference foe is the are the bulldogs, but I think that's the right side to be on here. Give me NC State minus three against Mississippi State. I think Missouri Kentucky is a really fun game. The entire world is on Kentucky. Missouri won this game twenty to ten a year ago, and you know I mentioned Sam Horn, the four-star quarterback on his way there. Recruits are always the first to know Eli Drinkwitz has made incredible inroads in recruiting as of late. Uh, I think that matters. Yes, Kentucky's got the upgraded offense. New coordinator will leave as a quarterback. This is a good game. I think the winner of this game emerges as a little bit of a team to watch, possible top 25 type team out of the SEC East. My guess is it's Missouri that does so. Two ranked Top 25 games outside the SEC. Ohio State's against Oregon. Buckeyes 14.5 point favorite. They were not great. Week one on the road at Minnesota. C.J. Stroud, the starting quarterback, struggled. I think he plays better at home here. I think this is a statement win for the Buckeyes. I think they win easily. I think they cover the 14.5 very easily here in this spot. And they make a big statement. Finally, the game day game, the Cyhawk Trophy battle in Ames, Iowa, as the Cyclones host Iowa. Uh, Iowa State's still a four-point favorite, despite the fact they struggled last week with Northern Iowa, and was dominant in a win against Indiana. Listen, I was on this in the summer. We said this at the time. Um, I think that Iowa is the team that was going to win this game. The whole world has kind of moved in the direction of the Hawkeyes because of what happened week one. This is not a season opener overreaction on our part. We've been on the Hawkeyes in this game now for a while. I think it'll be a fun one. I think this is a really good rivalry actually. I think just I was just a better team. Uh you know, had a six game winning streak a year ago quietly. No one saw that because the final two games were canceled. It was the pandemic. I was been playing pretty good football here for a little while and I would say that Iowa State is probably a bit overrated just given the national attention they got during the offseason. Those are our BetUS best bets, and your best bet for the weekend there as well is to open that brand-new account there at BetUS. First of all, they've been taking care of their players for more than 25 years you don't last that long in the industry unless you're doing good things for your players strong incentives good reasons to sign up and join and right now you can take advantage of that yourself when you use the promo code dn125 that's dn125 you're going to get a 125 percent sign up bonus let me give this to you in simple math that means if you were to put in 100 dollars. Uh, bet U.S. is going to give you an extra $125. You were literally a winner. You start with more money in your account than you put in right before you place your first bet. So that's one of the reasons why I love recommending Bet U.S. So go to BetU.S.com. That's the website. BetU.S.com. Use the promo code DN125. The DN stands for Dog Nation. DN125 and get 125% sign-up bonus. All right, let's turn our attention back to the Georgia Bulldogs here for a moment. And let's turn our attention away from from quite possibly the first time on the show today, away from the rumored JT Daniels injury and the potential start for Carson back, let's go to just sort of big picture stuff for a moment. And we talked about this yesterday on SEC Country Live, that there is about to be a very interesting beauty contest that takes place in college football. Because after week one, you can make a case. Now, this is not what I believe. I I told you before, If I had a vote for number one team in the country after week one, I would have given it to Georgia. I'm a resume-based poll voter. Now, they don't give, you know, uh, 'er ne'er-do-wells like me poll votes, but if they did, I would be a resume-based voter. That's what would matter to me. The best resume-boosting win from week one was Georgia's win against Clemson. After week two, you can do whatever you want to after that, but if you're going to base it on the resume established after week one, Georgia beating Clemson, the most impressive thing to happen in college football last week, I would have given them the number one ranking. However, most of the people that kind of speak about college football for a living kind of operate on the assumption of, hey, Bama started the season with the belt, so therefore you know, they're the one that everybody looks at most closely, and Alabama easily handled Miami. And so there's this debate of, well, who's the top contender to Alabama? And some people ding Georgia for the lack of offense, and admittedly Georgia has to play better offensively if it wants to win a national championship. But then you look at Oklahoma that struggled far more than would have ever been expected, hosting Tulane this past Saturday after the game got moved from New Orleans because of the storm. Then you had Ohio State, as I mentioned briefly a moment ago, that struggled week one a bit on the road at Minnesota before pulling away late. There are people, including we played Marcus Spears on the show yesterday, who have now completely eliminated Clemson as a playoff contender because of how bad their offense played against a dominant Georgia defense. These are kind of the national narratives here for the moment. So the question becomes, well, with Oklahoma and, and, and with Ohio State and with Georgia and I guess possibly Clemson, with these teams who are still there amongst this top group, you know, who is the biggest threat to Alabama right now? And as a way of kind of furthering this conversation, let me give you a little taste of ESPN SEC Network's Paul Feinbaum on the show Get Up earlier than this week, making his case for the Dogs being that team that is still the biggest threat to Alabama as the season moves forward. Take a listen to this. I want to see what happens Saturday night because if Ohio State looks very good, then I think they move to the top. I'm still not giving up on Oklahoma. I know they look terrible against Tulane, but uh, I still believe in that program, and I, I think they'll come back. But ultimately, I think it's Georgia. Georgia, to me, looks like the, the heavyweight that could knock off Alabama
1: finally. Now, I've said that a few times before. and been wrong.
0: So, listen, I think the SEC ought to be tuning its own horn right now that after just one week of the season, this league has the top two teams ranked in the polls. Alabama at one, Georgia at two. I told you before, for now, I'd put Georgia at one, but whether it's one or two, this is a nice little flex from the SEC. And I also play that clip because I, I do think it sets the stage for Georgia fans for what's coming next. You know, you don't really think much about Oklahoma right now. Ohio State It's a big showcase game. for the, For the Georgia fan who wants to be – the second most prominent team in college football right now. What Ohio State does on Saturday against Oregon, my prediction is it will be a big Buckeye win, a little bit of a flex for sure there in the horseshoe. That all of a sudden, some of the Georgia attention after the week one win against Clemson, some of that's going to go away. Now it'll be Ohio State that's getting more of that, uh, that attention, and there'll be more people saying, ah, oh, it's Ohio State that's the biggest threat to Alabama. C.J. Stroud is, has right of the chip as the starting quarterback. and Look at all that talent with Travion Henderson and Chris Alave and, all the uh, collection of of receivers there that, that program has it could be ohio state that stands to be the big pr winner after saturday depending on how things go against oregon but with the next few weeks that's what's going to happen we even had you know a bunch of people trying to make a case for ucla after beating lsu which i think is a little bit of a stretch but but nonetheless that's what the next few weeks are going to be about establishing a pecking order of who truly stands as a threat to alabama but also along with that I do think as Alabama moves into SEC play there should still be a spotlight on the Crimson Tide about can they make it look as easy within the conference as they made it look against what very likely might be a paper tiger in Miami outside the conference there in week one of course as you get ready for the college football weekend and the pro football that gets going tonight. pizza pairs very well with that my friends at marco's pizza pair better than anything else because i love the authentic old world flavor that marco's pizza is famous for whether it be the uh crust kind of baked to a golden brown or those three cheeses blended together on top look at all the toppings if you're watching on video anyway uh, i love a pizza that's got you know good hearty toppings just covered all over the place and that's exactly what marco's pizza uh gives you no scrimping on that one way or another that is a uh, good, good stuff, and great savings there as well, including if you're trying to feed a bunch of folks or a family like mine that eats like it's a bunch of folks. Uh, How about a bundle right now, which includes a large one-topping pizza, the pizza bowl, which is actually a really cool thing. It's the pizza flavor without the crust. That's a really cool thing. So you get that, the large one-topping pizza, and the cheesy bread for just $21.99 right now. That's great savings. Marcos.com. You can use the Marcos app. Uh, You can also You know, check in at your local store because participation does vary on things like this. You can find more about that. You can see the store closest to you for uh, details. Marcos.com, Marcos app. Get yourself some pizza ready for some football tonight and all throughout the weekend, including watching me on high school football on Friday night. I can promise you that'll be a uh, very fun thing to do. All right. I have some uh, in-depth reporting we have to do for a moment. We have a little bit of a golden shoe controversy. Uh, Listen, you know the golden shoe has gotten over. Like, the golden shoe has really arrived now that there is controversy surrounding it. So yesterday, we had a very good edit that won our golden shoe. And as we said before, it was the first time in a while we had actually gone back to the Gator Hater well for our golden shoe. We had a lot of Clemson-themed golden shoes and things like that. This was our first one going back to, uh, you know, kind of the Florida thing in kind of a while. We gave it to Brian Kephart, who had a very, uh, very, you know, nice edit. Come to find out, though, and I thought this was a joke at first, but I guess it was serious, The actual edit was made by Mad Dog, and we have some photographic evidence here. Our buddy Mad Dog, who has been one of our our prolific winners, he gave you the Dan Mullen tattoo, but apparently that guy passed around on some other platforms. Brian then shared it with us. So a little controversy yesterday, so credit to the original author here, Mad Dog, and obviously we certainly appreciate all of his great work and uh, Brian's and everybody else who sends us these Golden Shoe submissions because they're always fun and enjoyable for me. But uh, controversy averted as the original auteur of the uh, Golden Shoe from yesterday gets his uh, full credit. So speaking of the lousy, stinking gators, how about our Gator Hater Countdown 51 days from right now? Dogs going over the gators. Y'all have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll look forward to talking to you then. All right, and on the podcast down now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down, of course, R.S. Andrews, the one you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric issues. Dari Payroll, also one we turn to when it comes to Go With The Flow on Friday on the Dog Nation video channels, making his picks for the week, and we'll be a part of that there as well. So we're obviously going to talk a lot about, you know, kind of the aftermath of some of the JT Daniel stuff that's out there and the admitted truth that, you know, we don't really know what's going on, but as one of our video commenters said a moment ago, He says, what did he say? He said something effect of, uh, you know, I don't doubt anything, and I also don't believe anything. And I think that's kind of where I am on this too. And I kind of jokingly said on video a moment ago that, you know, an hour's worth of talking could be summed up by that, that if this was true, if Daniels was banged up, Georgia would have every motivation to try to keep it secret. And so – I respect Warren McClendon. I respect Lad McConkey. But them saying, "Yeah, no big deal," J.T. Downs is fine. That's what they said. We played that audio for you at the beginning of the show. They may be telling the one hundred percent truth, or they may be doing as players would be asked to do in a situation. Hey, let's don't go out there and make too much be known about our quarterback. Um, you know, I'm of the belief that if there's a little bit of smoke around this, there's got to be at least some fire. In fact, you know, you can notice like some hypocrisy. Uh, about people's line of thought on this like there's some people who are like oh this is definitely not true but it's also the reason the Georgia offense struggled against Clemson well those two things can't simultaneously be true either JT Daniels is a little bit banged up and therefore he was limited against Clemson or JT Daniels is not banged up and whatever happened against Clemson is its own separate story from that you get what I'm saying on that that you know there are moments in which we just don't really know and we're about to find out I guess but I'm going to read a couple of comments here that came into one of the Dog Nation stories, but it's just important to remember that if Daniels is limited enough, either that they couldn't call the plays they wanted to against Clemson and are considering now not playing him against UAB, then that is a limitation that comes with a cost for Georgia. That it's not part of the master plan for JT Daniels not to start one of the 12 regular season games Georgia plays especially given the fact that he's only started five games in a Georgia uniform and spent most of 2019 and 2020 not playing at all. Like, that's not part of the master plan. This is not a typical football move to split reps during the week and then give a start against a you know group of five opponent to somebody else. That if Daniels was healthy, you'd want him playing here. You want that development for the offense to start occurring. We said on yesterday's show that the timeline for all of this was early October whether you're as Mike Griffith pointed out thinking about the Arkansas game or as I pointed out road trip to Auburn one way October you're going to be better offensively but the development of that offense is at least slowed down if Daniels is missing some time because chemistry does matter and just in-game reps matter for a guy that going on now two years has not gotten a ton of those so I read a couple of comments. These are not comments to me directly. These are just comments from one of the Dog Nation stories. Randy Glass saying, praying nothing serious for JT Daniels, but it would be good if to get both Beck and Vandegrift some game reps. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. I mean, I'm curious about seeing Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift. But you've got to be careful that doing something that benefits you in 2022 doesn't slow you down in 2021. And I do believe, whether it's by a degree or by a magnitude, Daniels not playing on Saturday does – impede georgia at least a little bit for its needed development for this current team's offense dallas dog says sounds like he injured he is injured to some extent but he's going to play i used to not believe these leaks about injuries but i've noticed that they generally turn out to be more on point than any info we get from the team i have to say i believe dallas dog's right about that he goes on to say remember when washington tyke smith went down the first reports from georgia where they would be quote fine they were listed as day-to-day kirby smart even you know, basically issued a statement unprompted to say that. But uh, Dallas Dog goes on to say day to day is now trending towards out at least a month. So again, I believe there's truth to the rumors that JT is hurt somehow. I think the Dallas Dog's probably right about that. I've jokingly said this a couple times that if you think a player is healthy, there's a chance he might be hurt. Some healthy players are hurt. But if you think a player is hurt, he probably is that that there's just not a lot of presumably hurt players who are secretly healthy that just doesn't exist in football very much but the opposite probably does sometimes so yeah i assume there's at least something to it and the fact that georgia is working so hard to make you think there isn't means very little (laughs) to me if anything it it, it, it proves the truth as a counterfactual um Bass Dog on the subject of what would cause him to potentially play. Navy Dog says, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not UJ's coaching staff, but in my opinion, JT Daniels will start the game versus UAB. I think Kirby will try to be as aggressive as possible on both sides of the ball and try to build a good lead as soon as possible. Once Kirby Smart feels the lead is solid enough to put UAB on ice, he will pull out JT Daniels and put back in, which is an interesting point from Navy Dog. Here's the thing that you got to be careful with, and we said this I'm doing this first and 15 thing on video now where at 945 we're taking some comments with the people who are watching at dognation.com or the Dog Nation app. Here's the thing you got to be really careful with when it comes to something like that. Fairly or not, if you are playing games with figurative language about who's hurt and who's not, and in a situation like that, the player gets hurt more seriously, then it just opens the door for some un- pleasant questions and that may be unfair questions I've told you all a million times that I think that people have a tendency to blame coaches for injuries whether it be Kirby Smart or Nick Saban or you know at one point in time it was Gus Malzahn at Auburn who kind of got some of that from the media I feel like people have a tendency to blame coaches for things that for the most part just bad luck that are just just kind of a thing that happens but if you want to keep that kind of unpleasant narrative from forming around your program being very clear about who's capable of playing and who's not is really important. In other words, like the whole like wrestling match with the English language about what cleared means when it comes to Dominic Blaylock and Kears Jackson, I have to tell you, I think that's unhelpful language. I really do. Because I think that cleared c l e a r e d cleared to play. I think it would be more helpful for Georgia if that remained a binary term. And I'm going kind to of getting in the weeds here for a little bit. But the idea that there are, there are degrees of, of, of clearedness of who can play and who can practice, that just invites an ugly conversation once when you're supposedly cleared to practice but not cleared to play players gets hurt during practice because all of a sudden you start to say, well, what would you have him in the practice field for if he wasn't healthy enough to play in a game? And that may be unfair, but that is what people would say. And so in terms of Daniel's situation, he's either healthy enough to play or he's not this idea that he's only healthy enough to play for part of the game you know I'm not taking a jab here at Navy Dog because I think his point probably reflects the feeling of a lot of people but if you play a player in a game that you believe is only healthy enough to play part of the game and you're secretly hoping that you know you can pull him out of the game after a little while that's a risk I mean there's just a risk and it's not that you further injured like the oblique or whatever it is that Daniels has if he indeed has anything it's that playing at less than 100% opens the door for an additional injury to a different part of the body or something like that you know it's just it's just one of those things that that if you put a football player on the field you need to have a reasonable expectation that he's healthy enough to handle whatever happens on that football field and if you have questions about that then you maybe shouldn't play him at all and yes I know that most football players are always at least a little bit banged up because how physical the game is but this goes back to the old internet joke about hurt or injured um you know, if you're hurt, that's one thing. But if you're injured, then a healthier player is probably more valuable than you, even if he's less talented than you. So that's kind of where all of this stands right now. Different people have different opinions. I'm sure we'll continue to hear a lot more of those. So hit me up on Twitter at DogNationDaily. The comment section at DogNation.com, hopefully returning today. We've had a little bit of a mess with that this week. Uh, To be completely honest, I just got locked out of the system and can't get back in. But we're going to get that taken care of. And we will see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, and our R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown presented by Meriwether and – excuse me, the the Podcast Cooldown is presented by R.S. Andrews, the one you turn to for your air conditioning, plumbing, and electric needs. I guess if you don't take care of that stuff, it may lead you to call Meriwether and Tharp. That's probably a different conversation for a different day. Uh, All right, y'all have a good one. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, Podcast Cooldown after that, presented by R.S. Andrews. We'll talk to you then, everybody.